0: Well, here we are. It's a great day for talk radio, and a lot of Dems are projecting this to be a great day for them as well, with the House reverting to the Democrat Party stateside. We don't know the midterms. Uh, the voting stops at 8 Eastern, and we'll see, uh, well, 8 o'clock, I guess, as it rolls out across the land. Uh, what it all fores- foretells, that uh, this would be the beginning of the end of the Trump uh administration. A lot of people see it in that light. Well, uh, let's find out what Warren Kinsella says about it. He's a president of the Daisy Consulting Group, a political consultant and commentator of based here in Toronto. Warren, how are you doing this afternoon?
1: Terrific, John. How are you doing?
0: Likewise, fine. And uh, so I know you've got a bash happening tonight, also to coincide with the release of your new book. New Dark Ages, the X-Gang. Uh, this is a serialized account of things, isn't it?
1: It is. It's it's fiction, but politics is sometimes like fiction. And it's about a politician who looks pretty familiar to anybody who's followed uh, President Trump. And it's a bit of a mystery. I don't want to give anything away, but uh, I'd be grateful if people read it and enjoy it.
0: All right. Uh, new Dark Ages, then. Uh, do you see this particularly as a dark age, a new dark age?
1: Bit, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I've worked. My wife, Lisa, and I uh, have worked for Democrats. We worked for Hillary in 2016. We worked for the Democrats in the lead up to the midterms this year, and um, you know, we talked to a lot of Americans in so doing, and they're pretty depressed over the past couple of years. They feel, and conservatives included, feel like you know they've kind of lost their way, and there's a hope and an expectation that they're going to get things back on track tonight.
0: Well that's interesting because uh, I mean there was even a debate much heralded monk debate on Friday at Roy Thompson Hall and Bannon who was considered to be the architect of the Trump presidency early stages anyway uh, he was talking about the rise of populism and the only debate is whether it would be uh, capitalist uh, populism or socialist populism here in Ontario we've seen you know Doug Ford came in rather convincingly as well uh, so I mean Trump Uh, I guess this is the way it's described, in a sense, is a populist. How do you account for if the Americans are depressed and uh, this is losing their way? How do we account for the ascendancy of populism?
1: Yeah, and it's happening all over. I mean, just uh, to your point, just a few days ago in Brazil, Austria, you know, Brexit is seen as a symptom of that. And, you know, in my ripe old age, I don't under, you know, I was wrong. Like in 2016, I thought Hillary was going to win. I think a lot of other people did too, including Donald Trump. But she didn't, and I think that obliges all the rest of us to sit back and look at some of the assumptions we've made about politics. And one is that pollsters aren't finding, you know, those guys. They tend to be, you know, guys who don't have post-secondary education, kind of older, who are angry. You know, they feel left behind, they feel forgotten, and uh, guys like Donald Trump appeal to them. So we. You've got to figure out ways to reach out to those men and bring them back into the political mainstream or you're going to have more more leaders like donald trump
0: yeah but when you say guys i mean 63 million votes that's a lot of guys and it wasn't all guys so there's something going on the undercurrent in the heartland uh is disconnected from you know the the two coasts effectively and the the mainstream are uh, big media
1: yeah, for sure. And, you know, Doug Ford's victory in June, you know, everybody, all the pundits and the commentariat were predicting um, Doug couldn't do it. I think you know him very well. I know him where, well, too. And I think we were both saying, don't count this guy out. He's got his finger on the pulse of a lot of people in in Ontario, and obviously Trump did as well. The the difference between the two men, I would say, you know, there's, there's you get this Term populist applied to both of them. Like, I don't see Doug Ford as a mean spirited person, and I think a lot of people have now formed the opinion that Donald Trump is. And if he loses in the House of Representatives tonight, as many expect him to, and even if he loses in the Senate, which is a tougher bill to fill, but let's say he does that, I think a big part of it is he's just seen as kind of mean. You know, I don't know why he's been campaigning. On you know this caravan and immigration and all that, he's kind of got that constituency already. He should be talking about the economy because the economy in the United States is going gangbusters.
0: Well, that's what uh, Paul Ryan was telling him the other day, apparently. And uh, you know Carvel, uh, you know famously said it's the economy, stupid. So you're saying Trump is misfiring here, or does he again have an instinct maybe uh, that was missed the first time around that he's also sensing here might be uh, to his advantage.
1: I think you get a lot of politicians, and I've worked for plenty of them over the years, they sometimes have a tendency to fight the last war. And so what I think Trump has been doing has been rolling out the game plan that worked for him two years ago. But, you know, he doesn't need to do that. What I would have done if I was advising him is say, well, go around and talk about the economy. The economy you know, unemployment in the United States is lower than it's been in a generation why isn't he talking about that instead of talking about this caravan somewhere down in mexico and but i i think it's because he's prosecuting the last war as opposed to the new one and if you look at the democrats are doing they're out there talking about health care and issues like that and actually not spending a whole lot of time talking with donald trump they're focusing on issues they've recruited candidates with military backgrounds it's not the democratic party of old when my wife and i were door knocking this summer in and around portland Maine, we had John, um, you know, people who we were were identified Republicans coming up to us and saying, "I'm going to vote Democrat this time. I'm going to vote Democrat up and down the ticket." So uh, there's a real change there from what we experienced in 2016, 2014.
0: Again, with Warren Gonsella, president of the DAISY Consulting Group, A New Dark Ages is his book, uh, New Dark Ages, rather. Now, you know, it's interesting when you talk about the Dems and uh, how they're going about recruiting. The Republicans also believe that if they can take The black and Hispanic vote, even a sliver of that, uh, it puts them over the top. And the economy, they talk about economic indicators. Now, to your point, maybe he should be drilling down on this and uh, really emphasizing it, because uh, the unemployment in those precincts is at the lowest level it's ever been. Job creation is historically high in the black and Hispanic precincts. So uh, it means that perhaps the Dems are not doing for the blacks and Hispanics uh, what they could be doing, and the Republicans see an opening there, how do you see it?:
1: Well, I think it, with the Latino and Hispanic vote, um, which has become you know the biggest and the fastest growing demographic category in the United States of America, as you know, you know this is why and it doesn't make sense to me that he's going after this caravan thing, which is probably never even going to make the border. like all he's doing is alienating you know that Hispanic and Latino vote that is gettable for him. George W. Bush proved, you know, when he beat Al Gore in Florida, that that vote is gettable. It it will vote Republican if you give them a reason to do so. But instead, he just seems to be intent on insulting them and alienating them, and he's preaching to the core. Like, he's got those guys. The people in the United States who think immigration is the number one issue, he's got them already, so, you know, why isn't he trying to expand his base by talking about the economy? That If he loses tonight, I think that's the big reason. It's not his obnoxious personality, everybody knows about that already, it's that he didn't talk about his strength, he talked about something that, you know, was already something that uh, he could count on.
0: You know, Warren, talking about his personality, even he admitted yesterday he regrets his tone. What do you make of that?
1: Yeah, but he said that all the time, and all the pundits, me included, say, oh, you know, he, he's gone too far this time. He's lost it. You know, he's never going to get the nomination. Okay, then he gets the nomination. He's never going to win the presidency. He wins the presidency. I don't think he's ever going to change. I think uh, I saw one interview with him where he said, why should I stop attacking people on Twitter? I attacked people on Twitter, and I became president of the United States. I think what you see is what you get. I think the guy's going to stay the way he is. And the Democrats, because starting tonight, John, they're going to start thinking about who their presidential candidate's going to be if they take back Congress. And I think it's got to be somebody who isn't afraid to take a punch and isn't somebody who's afraid to deliver a punch. I don't know if that's Joe Biden or the young Kennedy or who it is, but they've got to have somebody who isn't a wimp because this is going to be a down-and-out
0: fight. They're talking already about 36 potential candidates. Look, I mean, uh, the Dems themselves are split. Nancy Pelosi, she would uh, become arguably the Speaker of the House if the Dems uh, do win the House today. But uh, there's not even a certainty about that because not everybody's on side with her within within her own party.
1: I don't think there's any certainty at all. I'm looking at a headline as I speak to you right now. It's from the Washington Post, days before the vote, two years ago. Here's what the headline says. This is their pollsters saying this. Donald Trump's chances of winning are approaching zero. So I put that up on my website, WarrenConsolera dot com, so everybody sees it and say, "Don't believe the polls. Like, get out there and vote if you're an American, and don't forget to to participate because the you know the people like me, the pundits and the pollsters." We all got it wrong last time. So this time it's, you know, who's going to get out the vote? Who's got the best candidates? Who's got the best messages? And I think on balance, I'm biased, but on balance, I think the Democrats are doing better on all of those scores than the Republicans.
0: Yeah, and so this is the advance polling. I think there was a high watermark set of like 38 million advance polled. Uh, what does that tell you? Is that because uh, both have sort of uh, got their bases energized, but you think it's uh, to the benefit of the Dems more so?
1: I think so. They, you know, the exit polls that they did showed that that coveted 18 to 36 category, who Hillary needed two years ago and who all stayed home. I think Bernie Sanders successfully persuaded them during the uh, run-up to the nomination that she was a crook you know, in a corporate toady. And so they didn't vote for it. They stayed home. Well, it looks like there's been a change in that. And those young people who tend to be a little bit lazy, to be, to be blunt, when it comes around time for, for voting, it looks like they, they've come out in a big, big way. And that can only benefit the new the Democrats.
0: So I guess the midterms, we can say this is all part of the checks and balances that the founding fathers uh, put in place in effect, and if it does stall the Trump agenda, I mean, that's democracy.
1: Yeah, and it's a beautiful thing. It's messy, but it's, it's better than all the alternatives, isn't it? So um, I think, you know, those of us in Canada, you know, my, all my conservative friends, uh, without exception, have been very um, upset and have not been enthusiastic at all about Donald Trump over the past two years. They feel that he has hurt the conservative movement. They actually don't even see him as a conservative. They see him as something else. So I think tonight this will be a useful correction if the Democrats bring it back in the House of Representatives. And if they bring it back in the Senate, well, I think Donald Trump needs to start being awfully careful, because then he's looking at a possible impeachment if the Democrats control both houses of
0: Congress. That may redound against them, though, if it seemed to be mean spirited or uh, what. But anyway, and what if you're wrong? What if again? You know, it's a case of this guy. You know, he runs the table.
1: Well, then it means that the world has changed. That you know, two years ago wasn't an aberration. It wasn't an outlier. It wasn't just about Hillary. That something has changed in our politics, or certainly in the politics of the United States, and we need to analyze that. My personal view is, these you know older guys. Uh, I guess I'm an older guy too. They feel left behind. They feel forgotten. They feel, you know, the cultural change and the technological change, you know, and loss of jobs, all of those things, they feel like they've been left out. And that's, Donald Trump spoke to them, you know, and he may have been a creep and a bit of a jerk, but he was speaking to them in a way that the Democrats did not. What I've noticed in the lead up to this midterms is the Democrats are now trying to reach those people and trying to bring them back.
0: But you know, culturally as well, when we uh obviously there was something to be gleaned from the Kavanaugh hearings, uh there was a certain I, I would say, uh Bad sportsmanship, at the very least, in how this uh, was conducted. And then, you know, there's a a sense, as I get it when I sit here in a catbird seat, that there's a return to a neo-McCarthyism. You know, free speech is under attack. And, you know, the left uh, seemed to be brooking uh, no dissent. That's something that's very, very palpable, I think, for a lot of people. And they decided that uh, they'd rather ride, you know... Trumpian uh, wave, if you will, because he's talked about religious freedom and all those other things. Am I wrong about that?
1: No, you're right. And, you know, there have been studies done that, you know, trying to figure out after two years ago, you know, all the political scientists and everybody sat down, the people with the tall foreheads and tried to figure out, well, how did he win? What was he saying? that attracted those, you know, extra 77,000 votes in three different states. You know, she got 3 million more votes, but he got 77,000 where it counted. How did he reach them? And one of the ways he did that is the way you just described, which is, you know, a lot of that older male constituency, not college educated, not university educated, feel like they got people telling them how to think and how to speak, and they don't like it. They want to be able to say what they think. They don't want to feel like they're being censored. And Trump has reached that. You know, he, well, he, he talks like he isn't censored at all. He says things that we've never seen before in politics. And they find that attractive. And they find that that, that is something they want to see happen. The danger for Trump is it has alienated women and has alienated female voters like nothing I've ever seen. There's about 65% of American women tonight are voting against Donald Trump. I don't know how he wins when he's got 65% of women against him.
0: Remains to be seen. uh, Very interesting. always appreciate your insights. The book is also being launched. New Dark Ages, Warren Kinsella, president of the DAISY Consulting Group. Uh, Have a good time tonight.
1: Thanks, John. Hope you can come.
0: Okay, talk to you later.
1: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.